0: Okay, this morning, I'm going to continue talking about my series that I've been talking about, Discovering the Gift. And this morning, I want to preach about the last installment, the last sign in the book of John, which is Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Now, John 11, it's a long chapter. It's a long story, and I believe most of us are familiar with it. But for the benefit of those who don't know so well the story or maybe have not even heard it yet, we're going to go and through a few scriptures just so that we all are caught up with the story, that we are all on the same page, okay? So we're going to start reading John 11, and then uh, it's going to be up there as well, okay? The first one is 1 through 7, and there it says, A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped it with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So, although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to to his disciples, Let's go back to Judea. Now we skip a few verses down to 17. Okay, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem. And many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would have not died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said. He will rise with everyone else, rises at the last day. But Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God. The one who has come into the world from God. Verse 38. Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the the dead man's sister, protested. Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. But Jesus responded. Didn't I tell you that if you would see the glory of God, if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here, so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in the grave clothes, his face wrapped in the head clothes. So Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. So now we are all caught up. Now we all know the story, okay? Raising Lazarus from the dead. And it sounds always so good and so nice. And the whole thing is you have to imagine yourself to be in the story. That is the, I believe that is the key of reading the Bible. If you put yourself into the position of these people... The the Bible become alive and all of a sudden you see things that you didn't see before because sometimes we know the ending already. We know that Lazarus will be raised up from the dead, so we miss out on a lot of details. But today I want to talk about that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He said it very clearly in verse 25 when he said, you know what, this will not end in death. But But this is happening so that the power of God will be seen. And I am the resurrection and the life. So we are talking about today, discovering the gift, Jesus Christ, that he is the gift of life. He is the resurrection and the life. And the whole thing why this had to happen, we know that because we just read it, is that Jesus could show himself to be the resurrection and the life. If he would have come on time to heal Lazarus, He would be Jesus, the healer, which he already proven himself to so many other people. But it was time for him to show to everyone around that he is the resurrection and the life. That resurrection is not an event, but resurrection is a person and that is Jesus Christ. He is our gift of resurrection and life. And even though now it's almost 2,000 years later or even more than that, we can still stand on the promise and say, God, you are still my life you are still my resurrection you are still the one who wants to work in people's life so the very first thing that we can learn from the story is is that jesus is our life and if you go into the dictionary look up the definition of life what does life really mean it will be up there it says life is the capacity for growth for reproduction life is functional activity and here's the thing we don't like this one and he is life is continual change and then if you read it goes on and says preceding death so eventually there will be death but we know in Jesus Christ we can live forever how do you know that pastor because the Bible says so because he said it that never ever uh, we will never ever really die even though here our time on earth might be up we will still live on with Jesus with God in all eternity amen that is our hope that is our assurance that we have. But even in this lifetime, this is where it becomes real. Even in this lifetime, we can experience Jesus as the gift of life. The first thing that I want you to, uh, to look into is that often the greatest revelations come after our greatest failures. The greatest revelations often come after this greatest failure. Now, listen to me. I'm not saying that Jesus failed, because from the beginning, he made it very clear to his disciples, Lazarus will will not uh, end up dead, but this is for the glory of God. And then he waited for two days. And only after two days, then he made his way to Bethany. By the time he got there, Lazarus was in the tomb for four days. And the uh, the funeral was still going on. Back in the time in that uh, culture, they would mourn for usually about seven days. So they would have the burial the same day because of the climate, because it would start to smell. So the same day they put the dead body into the grave, but then the burial and then the funeral procession would go on for at least seven days. Sometimes even up to 30 days, but never exceeding 30 days. When Moses died and he passed on and they mourned for 30 days. But after 30 days, they had to get up and get on with their life. But the thing is, so when Jesus showed up, the funeral was still going on. The body was already in the cave. Lazarus was already buried, but the funeral was still going on. So Jesus missed his healing appointment. Because Mary and Martha sent a message to Jesus saying, you have to come. If you don't show up now, our brother, who was about 30 years of age that time, he said, you know what, if you don't come now, he will die. But he delayed his trip back because he said, this is the chance for everyone to see that I am the resurrection and the life. But in the minds of Mary and Martha, it must have seemed like a failure because they sent for Jesus. He didn't show up and he came too late. So the failure is not on Jesus' part, okay? Understand that very clearly. Jesus did not fail Lazarus, Mary, and Martha because he right away said to his disciples what his plan was. But in the eyes of Mary and Martha, this must have felt like defeat. This must have felt like this is the end of the road. There is no more hope. Lazarus is dead. Jesus came too late. But in that, because he came too late, he interrupted the funeral. He was supposed to come before he died so that he could heal him. But he died and now Jesus comes and he interrupts the funeral. And that is clear when Martha comes out and meets him and she is a bit upset, of course. Mary doesn't even want to see him at that point because he came too late. But the greatest revelations often come after our greatest failures. For them, it must have seemed like there's no more hope. What happened is now too late. It happened already. Now there's no more hope of Lazarus to become well. But that is when Jesus came and he shows himself to be the resurrection and the life. Now in our life, sometimes we make mistakes. Sometimes we make things, uh, mess up a situation, maybe we even sin, or we're doing something where we feel, you know what, this is a big mistake. This was a failure. And we think to ourselves, you know what? Can God even do anything with my life anymore? Because if you would know what's going on inside of me, pastor, you would not say that God still has a plan and purpose for me. But I am here to tell you this morning that even after the greatest failures, Jesus can show up even more powerful. Amen? Even after the greatest mistakes that we could have in life, Jesus can still show up. And do something powerful. I, uh, we have a VIP where people can serve in the church. If you're not part of it, please see Jonathan and just uh, take some time to really become a part of the church and really serve. But we have pre-services, so we have pre-services where we come together as a team who's serving that Sunday, where we have worship time, prayer time, a word, and then we just get ready to get ready for Sunday service. So I have been studying the the life of King David quite a great deal. So I came across this again. Of course, most of us know that, but I came across the passage again where he goes up on the rooftop and he looks across and he sees Bathsheba. And she is married, and then she has her come over, basically rapes her, commits adultery, and then he tries to cover it up, but it doesn't really wanna work because the husband doesn't wanna go back and see her because he's a soldier. Long story short, the cover up cannot happen, so he has her killed. Has him killed? Sorry, has him killed? Basically, go as a soldier to the front line where the battle was really raging. Had all the troops withdraw, only that poor guy was there. Made sure that he died. Now. Obviously, everyone agrees that that is probably David's greatest failure in life. The biggest mistake that he ever made. Come on, he was lusting after a woman, basically raping her because she had no choice, getting her pregnant, and to cover it up, killing the husband so that he could take the wife. The whole thing is great failure. But the thing is, even after that, he is still called a man after God's own heart. He is still called a man after God's own heart. And God is so merciful that even after his greatest mistake, he would give another baby to them and there he would become Solomon, the wisest man who has ever lived on the earth at that point of time. After his greatest mistake, God was still so gracious, so merciful that he would still have a good plan and a good purpose for them. And he would still show himself to be the almighty God and give them a blessing even after all that. So if you ever come to a point in your life where you say, I don't know if God can use me anymore. Think about that story. Think how David messed up big time. We're not talking about a a wrong attitude, about a wrong uh, something in his life, just a little lie. I mean, that was something serious. But God was still able to use him. God was still able to restore him and bring something good out of his life in the end. So never feel like you're at the end of the road. Never feel, now what I have done, this is it. There is no more hope for me. I want to tell you this morning that the best is yet to come. And no matter what our emotions might tell us, no matter what the circumstances in our life might try to dictate to us, we can say God is still in control. He is still in an authority and he still has a good plan and a purpose for my life. Out of our greatest failure often comes the greatest revelations where God can really show up and show that he is merciful. Now in the times like this, it doesn't feel that way. When I went back and I talked a lot to my parents, I asked them again. I asked my parents to tell me the story of how to be as my brother, uh, got stomach cancer when he was a small boy he was about 8 years old and because I remember some, uh, some details, I remember the story they had told me, but I just wanted to hear it again and the thing is to, to hear from my parents again how they went through this situation brother diagnosed with uh, cancer goes to the hospital they do an operation but they found out that the cancer was so spread out already that they could not even take all the cancer out so they had to uh, sew him back up and they said you know we have to send you to a specialist because we cannot do this here so they sent my brother to a specialist clinic so he had to go there three days later was supposed to be another surgery after three days the church came together every night to pray in the church Went to the hospital, the specialist cut them open, but all traces of cancers were gone. Completely gone. Just like that. Now, if you have been here in church, I told the story before, but the thing is, imagine how my parents felt when they had to go through it. The little boy, eight years old, not sure if he's going to make it, not sure how he's going to come out of it, all these things, The, the, the pain that they went through. But you know what? After it, When Jesus showed up and he gave such a miracle, it impacted not only my parents' life, but my life. Because now I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God can heal. I have seen it with my own eyes. I have seen it. Even the doctors had to admit, you know what, we don't don't know how it happened. We have no explanation, but something happened and now he is cancer-free. But that produced a revelation in my heart that Jesus is able that God is able to overcome what we think is natural and produce miracles that we cannot understand. If we would have not gone through this, the revelation of God being in control would have not been the same. I would not know God in the way that I know Him today if it was otherwise. Amen? Isaac, he also had a great testimony. One of the days he will come and share his testimony. But he had uh, a growth on his foot. He went to the doctor, uh, cut out quite a big portion. A few months later, the growth came back even more than that. And then he was in pain, and he was also supposed to go to a specialist. They said, you know what, we have to get rid of it. We have to cut it open. I made an appointment. But he went home, and he sat down with his family, and they prayed. The next day, the, the growth started to go back, right? The swelling started to go back. Another day after that, the pain started to uh, be gone. After three days, he was okay. He never went to the appointment for the specialist to get that operation. A year later, I'm not sure how, you, you tell the details later on. Uh, quite a distance later after, uh, he went back to the hospital again. The doctor came and said, oh, you had an operation? He said, no, we never had an operation. Hey, how come? You can walk. What happened? He said, yeah, we prayed. We went home. We prayed. My family prayed for me. Everything is okay. So the doctor took a look at his leg and could not believe that this is the progress without any operation. Why? Because God stepped in. Now, when you go through a situation like that, it is not like, oh, I know I'm going to be here, everything is fine. Because you don't know. You don't know when you get your miracle. You don't know if it's going to happen. You don't know how it's going to happen. It's difficult. But once God comes through and he shows up and he shows who he really is, the revelation after that is something that will change your life completely. That's why Lazarus had to die. So that he could show up and say, I am the resurrection and I am the life. So that you believe me, I raise him from the dead. And Lazarus came forth. Because of this, the revelation that the people had about Jesus changed them completely. And even though in our life it's not always easy. But if we come through situations like that, the revelation that comes out of it. The revelation that comes because we experience these things can change us completely. And we can really get to know who God really is. So I want you to know if you feel like you're in your life at a point where you don't understand what's going on. Where you don't know for what purpose it is going on, what you're going through right now. I want you to know that God is up to something good. That no matter what happens in your life, God can turn it around and produce something good out of it. Mary and Martha thought this is it. This is a failure. Lazarus is dead. But Jesus came and he produced a miracle. And it was so uh, to, to show that he is really the resurrection and the life. So if you are at the end of your road or so it seems in your life, be of good hope. Because God can still do something great in your life. Turn to your neighbor and say, Neighbor, the best is yet to come. Now turn to the other neighbor and say, Neighbor, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Amen? The second thing that we can learn from the story is we can learn the purpose of the revelation. Now, God said very clearly, you know what, this will not end up in death, but I have to show to everyone, to the people in Bethany, to the disciples, Mary, Martha, everyone involved, even the leaders, that I am the resurrection and the life. So he was very clear. So the purpose when he came, verse 26, everyone who lives with me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Martha? Then later on, it goes on, then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And then, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them. Now, this is taken from Matthew later on. But the whole thing is, Jesus needed to accomplish something. Lazarus had to die so that he could show himself to be the resurrection and the life. And it was not easy for them to walk through it. They were in grief. They had lost their brother, young brother some more, and they had to go through that process. But Jesus needed to reveal himself to everyone. Because after that, if you go on and read it, that is where the Pharisees and the leaders started to plot to kill Jesus. So everything had to happen. So this one was the time where he had to reveal himself to be the, rever- the resurrection and the life. But it was not easy for them to go through. But the whole thing is, the principle is, Jesus had to do something in them so that he could do something for them. So in order or so that he can do something through them. And that is something I believe is very true in our life. God has to work in our life. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? He asked Martha, do you believe that, that I am really the resurrection and life, that if you live in me, you will never, ever die? Do you believe it? Do you have faith? Now, what does faith mean? was another installment I preached about. Faith means the total confidence in someone or something. So Jesus was basically asking Martha, do you really believe that I am the resurrection and the life? Do you have full confidence in me, in who I am? And then she says yes, but maybe in her heart she wasn't quite so sure. She knew the right answer, but maybe in her heart God still had to do something. In her life, in Mary's life, disciples' life, in everyone's lives around, he had to make sure that they understood that he is the resurrection and the life. So Lazarus had to die so that he could raise their faith. So that they could come to a point where they say, you know what, now we have seen it. A man who was dead for four days came back to life because he spoke just one sentence. He really is the Son of God. He had to do a work in them. And then he did something for them where it says, shouted out, Lazarus, come out. And a dead man rose and came out of the grave. But Jesus needed to do something in them first. And then he did something for them. He answered their prayer. He gave him, Lazarus, the life back and he came out. And then the ultimate goal, of course, is God wants to do something through our life. Through our life. And that's why he said, you know what, go into all the nations, baptizing them. Make sure that everyone knows about me, that I am the resurrection and the life. But see, God had to do something in them before he could do something for them. Otherwise, they would have never get to know him as the resurrection and the life. That's why it had to happen. He had to do something in them so that they could become confident that their faith would rise. Then he did something for them so that he could do something through them. So if we are going through difficulties in our life, it is so that God can use it to do something good in us. So that he can use the situation. I'm not saying God caused it, but God can use it. God can use it to produce something good in you so that he can really bring out something that you would have not understood otherwise. So that in the end, he can do something through your life. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He wants to do something amazing, something powerful in you so that he can use you in a powerful, powerful way. I said, when I went to Germany, I went to my cousin's wedding, and we were all sitting together, the whole family, uh, joking around. And then my little nephew, he's not little anymore. When I left Germany, he was just, what, about two years old. Now he's 20 years old. He came with his girlfriend. So we were all sitting together, just joking. And then my brother said, You know what? Yours, you're the next. Your turn is the next. He, to- he told my little nephew, You're the next who's gonna get married. And you could see the panic on his face. Now the girlfriend sitting right next to him, oh, that was a shimmer of hope. It's like, whoa, she was happy. He was like a bit like, what? I am the next. We were just talking about, yes, now we did something in him, preparing him so that he can do something, you know, get together with his girlfriend, make plans, and then God can do something through them so that my brother can become a grandpa. Wonderful, right? No, he's still young. But the thing is, God needs to do something in us. We want to skip right to the point where God is doing something for us. God, I have a whole list of prayers. I have a whole list of things that I need you to do something. But we don't want to go through a process of where God is working in us. We want to see the answer to our prayer immediately. But sometimes God is using this situation to do something in us so that then we can grow, that something can happen in us, so that we can become a person that he can really use to do something through us. So take hope. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing in your life, God is really doing something great in you. Amen? The last thing that we can learn from this story is that revelation requires effort. Revelation requires effort. Verse 39, Jesus said, Roll the stone aside. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. This smell will be terrible. But Jesus came and said, you know what? In order for me to do this miracle, remove the stone. Now we have to understand that this is not just a little stone. It's not just a little door that you can open. It's a big stone rolled to seal the grave. It was meant to seal the grave. So first of all, that the smell won't be so strong. Also that no animals can go in and that no uh, thief robbers could go in and steal. So it was not just a little stone. It was a huge stone that was rolled in front so that no one could get in. So it was no easy task to roll it away. Now remember when Jesus died, day of Easter, Then the the, the original Spice Girls bought spices, went to see Jesus. Yeah, the Bible says they bought spices, they took the spices, and they made their their way to see Jesus. And on the way, carrying all the spices, they were thinking, oh my goodness, you know what, we are just three women here. How are we going to roll the huge stone away? How are we going to get to the body of Jesus? Because they couldn't do it. But Jesus was already working in the background. And when they got there, the tomb was open already, removed by an angel. But the thing is, it is not an easy task to roll that stone away. It required effort. Jesus said, you know what? Get your hands dirty. Remove that stone. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of effort. But if you want to see the miracle of God, you have to remove that stone. And then he called Lazarus out and he came out. But if we want that revelation that he really is, the resurrection and the life, it requires our effort that we press into God and say, God, no matter what is happening right now, I'm going to press in. I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to pursue more of you because I want to see you in my life. Revelation, miracles, the work of God in our life, they don't just happen by accident. But they require our effort. You know what? If you are in a boat and you don't have a motor, you don't have a sail up, you're just sitting in the water, if you uh, steer the rudder, nothing will happen. Correct or not? You have the rudder at the back to steer the boat. If you just steer it, nothing will happen. But if you put that sail up and the wind comes and the boat starts to move and you turn that rudder, the boat can start to turn in the direction that you want it to go or if you have a little engine or a motor, then you start spinning and you got to start to move with the boat, then you can direct the directions. The same way in our life, if we are just stuck, saying, God, what am I supposed to do? I'm just going to wait for you to show up. Nothing will happen. But if we say, God, you know what? I need to, I need to have that revelation. God, I am willing to take that next step. I am willing to take that next step into the unknown, into what I don't even know what's going to happen, but I'm going to do something. And you start praying and you say, okay, what is the next step? And then you say, I'm not so sure if that is really the right one or not, but I'm going to take the step. Because once I take a step, God can direct me. He can show if it's the right step or not. But don't just be stuck there and wait for a revelation of God. Do something about it. And then God can show us what direction we really have to go the worst thing that we can do is just sit down in frustration because we don't know what's going on and just say god i'm just going to wait until you give me a miracle we have to start to move we have to remove that stone so that god can really show his power amen i don't believe it was by accident he didn't say okay lazarus come forth and then they heard a knocking from inside Oh, okay, I guess we have to do something because Lazarus is obviously alive already inside. So now we have to remove the stone. No, he said, remove the stone. They had to do the work first. They had to put in the effort. Then Jesus produced the miracle. Miracles, the power of God doesn't just come by accident. It requires our effort. For us to be in a position of prayer. That we say, God, I need to see an answer to my prayer. For us to be willing to step out and say, God, I'm going to take that step. I'm going to go on and I believe that you will step in, that you will lead and guide me. But I am going to go and I am going to take that step. And then God will come in and direct us. The revelation of God that he really is the resurrection and the life. We have to work on it. Because once we come to God, that's why even in, in James 4 verse 8 says, if we draw near to God... God will draw near to us. It is the principle that we take the first step to God and then He will come down and He will go the rest of the way. But we have to take that step towards God. And I want to encourage you this morning no matter what's happening in your life, no matter where we are or how we feel, just take that step to God and say, God, I believe that something will happen. I am willing to take that step into the unknown. That step where I don't even know, maybe even out of my comfort zone, but I believe that you can really, really do something in my life. Amen? Can we have the praise team come, please? You know what? I really believe that God is calling us out. Where many of us maybe are at a point where we say, you know what? I, I, I'm not so sure if God can really do something. I want you to know the assurance that God is doing something in your life. Maybe right now you're not seeing it. Imagine how Mary and Martha must have felt. The brother was dead in the tomb for four days already. Jesus never even showed up. They didn't know what was going on. They didn't know if there was hope or not. Probably they were just thinking, you know what, this is it. We will never see him again until the the day of judgment when everyone will rise. But the thing is, Jesus was not done. But they did not understand. So if you are in that time where you don't understand what's going on, just hold on to the, to the assurance that God is not finished, that God is still in control and that He can do something powerful in your life. Amen? Let's just rise to our feet this morning. Hallelujah.